You are listening to a podcast of Ice and Fire, episode 258 for the week of September 27th, 2020. So today we're having a special interview episode related to a Game of Thrones, the board game, the digital edition, being released by Asmodee Digital. And I'm joined by uh, several members of the team, if they can please introduce themselves. I'm Matthew, I'm the brand manager on Asmodee Digital side for uh, the Game of Thrones, the board game, digital edition. Hi, I'm uh, Maxime, I'm the lead game dev on the Asmodee Digital side. I'm Yuri Dolpin. I'm a game designer with Direwolf Digital, which, as you may have guessed it from our name, is a company full of big Game of Thrones fans. We've got some uh, Dornish Red and Arbor Gold here on the side and some uh, lemon cakes. Feel free to sample as we go through the interview if you need uh, food or drink to get you through it. <laughs> uh, great to have you all here today. And I have a list of questions I've composed about the digital edition of the board game from our listeners. And then so I'm just going to ask questions and whoever wants to answer, that's good. We kind of got a round table here. And so I guess we'll just just get started. What version of the board game is being released with uh, the digital edition? So this is based on the second edition of the board game released by Fantasy Flight, which of course is based on the Song of Fire and Ice novel series by George R.R. Martin. But one thing that we are including, that we're pulling forward, is from the Mother of Dragons expansion, and that is the vassal mechanic, which allows players to take control of some of the unplayed houses. It's the basic six-player version, but if you have less than six players, then you could use vassals. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So we give you a lot of flexibility. You can play with the vassal houses, or you can play with AI, um, or alternatively, you can play the the tabletop version, um, where you just have um, some of the houses replaced by neutral forces. So when you're playing with vassals with multiplayer with people... Is that something that's set at the only the start of the game, or can it occur halfway through if somebody leaves? Yeah, so that's that's set uh, at the very beginning of the game. And if somebody you're, you're playing vassal mode, you you set the number of vassal houses. And if somebody does leave early, they'll be replaced by an AI. Oh, really? That kind of actually answers another question that I had: was it, it, can you play with people and AI at the same time? Oh yes, absolutely. So you can you can play solo with AI, but you can also bring AI into. Um, online multiplayer games. Okay, that's really interesting. And actually, I'll have some more questions about the AI a little bit later as we continue through the interview. But let's just go through some of the more basic questions about the release. Some fans were interested to see. Uh, I see that it's being released on Mac and PC. Is that correct? Oh, yes. The, um, it's correct. It's uh, released in the same time on Mac and PC. And Mac and PC players will be able to play together with uh, Asmodee accounts. Okay, that's great. So they got a like, cross-platform play. Yeah. Uh, is there any plans or ideas about potentially expanding to Android or Apple tablets or something in the future? Uh, for now, we really want to focus on um, the release uh, for the Steam players. Uh, but based on players' feedback, we will uh, consider later bringing the game to mobile device or tablets. Uh, but first, we want to make sure that uh, the experience for the Steam players is, uh, is optimal. Perfect. Yeah. So you just want to get that first, you know, uh, group of players in there, and you can always potentially think about that in the future if it comes up. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Does everybody playing need a, a copy of the game? Is that the, the way it works? Yeah, everybody needs uh, a copy of the game for the online uh, multiplayer and uh, also uh, an Asmodee account. Uh, it's really easy to create. You can uh, create it in two clicks, and um, it will help you to find uh, each other's friends uh, and make special invitation and create private game, for example. So uh, everyone needs his games, and then uh, you can find each other's on the lobby. So in, is the lobby hosted in, uh, in Steam itself, or is it on the Asmodee website? Like, how does it, where is it hosted? The, the lobby is in the game. 
the okay. lobbies in the game and uh, for the online you log in game with your Asmodee accounts and uh, it will uh, if you have already on the Asmodee game uh, you will find your friends uh, in any games you log with your Asmodee accounts so you can jump in and find your friends well, that's kind of interesting the Asmodee account does it keep track of maybe game statistics at all or like number of games played or anything like that or is it more just for a direct uh, invitation to other players uh, both you have um, a personal account and you will find uh, your uh, your historic of games uh, of your glorious victories and um, the defeats <laughs> and uh, you will find a um, lot of information and you can modify your avatar if you want or your username um, and you can also have your friend list here awesome okay so uh, just going through some of the more uh, basic questions still. I was uh, watching the trailer and it described uh, a unique skirmish mode and story-driven challenges. Can any of you describe a little bit more about these modes? Yeah, absolutely. So the, there are 10 uh, unique solo challenges um, that offer rules variations and different victory conditions. Hmm. Um, and these all kind of run through a storyline that play, takes place roughly during the War of the Five Kings. So I can give you guys a little preview. So for example, sure. in one mission, you're helping Davos, or Davos is helping the Baratheons build up supplies for a coming war. And so in this game, your victory condition is based on controlling areas with supply icons uh, rather than castles, which makes you think about area control in a really different way. And then in addition to that, because Davos is this expert raider, um, you also have a special power, which is that your your special raid order, your star raid order, can remove any enemy order this game, hmm. which is obviously uh, quite powerful for disrupting enemy march orders. It's kind of like uh, how people do different chess scenarios, I guess, Like, except it adds that whole uh, story element to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being a game that has such a, a strong story behind it and has so many really evocative mechanics... Uh, it was it was it was absolutely a, a really fun design challenge to to come up with all these different scenarios for the game. When you're talking about that particular scenario, which puts a focus on supply, which is often underlooked by new players, is this mode kind of like part of the tutorial for learning the game, or how do how do new players get into the game if if they if they get the game? Yeah, so this this follows um, a series of three story driven tutorial games um, that are, that are separate from the, those. And uh, these three games combine to kind of teach the core rules of the game. And these ones actually take place nine years before the events of the book. So these are taking place uh, during the Greyjoy Rebellion, and they have the player taking control of the Starks to, to learn the game. So you could come into this game not knowing anything about the game, how to play, and, and that tutorial will get you into the game? Absolutely, yeah. I think that's the great place to start. And then before players want to jump into online, they can go uh, right to skirmish mode, which is a, a way to play solo, or they can go into those uh, story-driven challenges. Sometimes uh, the in-person game is hard to introduce people to the game. There's so many rules, but if there's this, this system that they can go through and learn how to play the game, I think that's a good way to getting more people into this community. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so let's ask some more basic questions here. So I was looking at the trailer, there's all kinds of battles and animations and i'm just curious what this like if you can modify settings for different computers like if you have a slower computer like what's the options for customization yeah so we have various quality and resolution settings uh to support players with a variety of hardware capabilities uh you can adjust like your sfx and music levels and of course decide if you want to play with tights of battle or vassals um but there's no option to turn off animations completely like for us part of the game part of what we want to do here is is uh create a new and enhanced version of the tabletop game. So mm. what you see with the cool animations and and, and pieces is, is definitely what you'll, you'll be getting. 
So that kind of answers one of my other questions yeah, with regard to Tides of Battle. So you can, yeah, that's optional. You can decide at the start of the game whether you want that in the game. Yes. Um, I, I personally love playing with Tides of Battle. I think <laughs> it, what, it, what it does for me is it gives me this great excuse. If, if I make a mistake, I can just blame it on the drawing of the uh, Tides of Battle card. Yeah, actually, I found that uh, sometimes when you play the game, you can, you can get into a bit of a rut where people take way too long trying to calculate numbers. Oh. To perfectly do their battles, and then tide of battles can help speed it up. You're like, yeah, you know, you can't, you can never, you can't. Doesn't matter how much you calculate it, you could still lose. Let's just speed it up here <laughs> and get into the battle. So, I do like yeah. for that feature. And it just adds some drama, like what's going to happen. Okay, so let's see. With regard to the map, like, is it one? Is it one zoom in, or can you zoom in or out? How does how do you look at different parts of the map? Oh no, yeah, you have a lot of flexibility zooming zooming way in or way out. And in fact, if you zoom all the way out, you enter uh, what we call strategic view, which offers an overview of the whole of Westeros. And you can also uh, it brings up uh, icons for for the various uh, units around the map. Okay, great. Just I guess the last of the kind of the basic uh, questions is uh, so yes, we have it's coming out as a six player second edition of the game. Is there any thoughts for p- potential future? content release for things like the feast for crows variant or dance with dragons variant or even mother of dragons as uh, as we speak just before uh, for now we, we really want to focus uh on the the first experience with uh, the vassals mm-hmm. but um as i said uh it depends on the mostly on the player's feedback uh it's what it's really important for us uh and to once we will all feel that uh, the first experience is good we will think about uh the the futures hopefully open the game is going to be uh, embraced by the community and uh, i think there'll be a desire for for the different versions of the of the game i mean you've got the basic system here right so that's what i heard from the fandom quite often okay so let's go on to some questions about single player and the ai in general so how does like uh um diplomacy work with the ai for example like requesting support in battle or that kind of thing and how does the ai decide who to support in a battle Okay, so yeah, we, we did build a system so that they can get in on the fun of uh, diplomacy as well. Um, we call it the Alliance System, and it's an alternative to chat, um, where you can press buttons to warn of threats on the map, uh, request support ahead of time, and make alliances, and you can do all this without having to type. So this not only allows the AI to participate in the diplomatic elements of the game, but it also can make it easier for somebody um, who doesn't want to you know, get into all the typing to just do these uh, much quicker. So if you get into an alliance, is there any requirement that you have to stay within this period of time or can you break it or like, well, how does that, how does that work? Oh, mu- no, much, much like the uh, tabletop game. These are, these are non-binding uh, mm-hmm. agreements. Well, perfect. So that's, that stays true to the, the backstabbing nature of the, the yes, game. Yes, yes. So it, apl- it gives you a mechanic to be able to, I guess, quickly give requests or something to the computer, but then at any time they, they could backstab you or vice versa then. Right. Is there any uh, different difficulty levels for the AI, or is it one main difficulty, or how does that work? Yeah, so we're going to offer three levels of AI difficulty, and at the lower levels, you know, they're going to they're going to make less optimal moves. um, You know, try to make it more accessible for people who are new to the game. Hmm. Um, But at the higher levels, we've taught them some really specific strategies for the different factions, such as like Baratheon knows how to make a series of plays to take King's Landing on turn one. Or you might have a faction-specific preference, like the Greyjoys, knowing that they really do great with ships. Well, that's really interesting. So, you, so you, in developing the game, you kind of looked at some of the because the game has been. I mean, the base game has been out for. Uh, I'm trying to think. The first edition is back to 2003, if I remember correctly. So, uh, people have have kind of determined some of like the best 
opening plays and, and movements for the for the different factions. So you, I guess you, you kind of looked at that in, in kind of determining what's optimal for high level AI. Yeah, and so the 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 hard AI knows some of those moves. Okay, that's great. So and it's nice that you have the different different levels of them. So as it, as if you start in the game, you can start with the the lower difficulty. Okay, so then just some more, I guess, kind of hypothetical examples. So, well, let's go back to the support example. Like, again, what if there's no alliance going on at that time and there's a battle going on and, and most of the time people ask for support? Like, how does the AI determine who to support? Do they, do they, does it look to see, like, who's the more powerful and try to balance out against them? Or, or like, how does it make that kind of decision? So I'll probably play a little coy here because I think part of the fun of the game is the discovery process and I don't mm. want to give away all their secrets um but but i'll tell you i mean they they, they do consider or they're aware of alliances and they're certainly aware of how threatening other players are so much like human players they're going to be taking into account uh, a variety of factors that's kind of similar i guess for tie breaks like if, if, if the ai has the iron throne uh, token and wants to you know tie break on a clash of kings of wildling attack i guess it it'll consider a variety of factors and determine what's in its interest yeah so whether it's tie breaking supporting battling, accepting alliances, it's going to be uh, thinking about the, the various things it, it does. Okay, interesting. So let's move on to some uh, rules questions. So we already discussed Tides of Battles. It's, it's optional. You can turn it on and off at the start of the game. Uh, what about uh, the option for gifting of power tokens? Is that in the game at all? It's not in the game. It's, uh, it's come from the Mother of Dragons, and uh, it's maybe for the futures, as we took before. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Cool, if people ask for uh, if people ask uh, vocally for for the bribery, uh, we will discuss about the bribery. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I, I myself don't use it that much in the base game. I, I use it more in Mother Dragons because it has the Targaryen yeah. and that, that whole element that, that does it. But it, I mean, it, some people use, some people don't. So um, okay. So what about the uh, there's there's so there's a version 2.0 of the FAQ that came out a while back that made a couple changes, like with the Lannister setup. And with tiebreakers, does the game use those, or is it just use the or the original settings of the second edition? So we we do use the uh, the two point uh, version of the rules, and uh, I think the simplified tiebreakers just make it a lot easier to understand. And you know the Lannisters needed that buff. I mean they're they're stuck in the middle of the map, vulnerable, and they've got those deadly Greyjoys right next door. So I, I think those are all good improvements that we were excited to include. Good, that's uh, good to know that that's uh, incorporated. And just overall, I guess, like how did you go by uh determining the rules i guess you, you looked at 2.0 faq but like did you have any issues with like rule disputes when creating the game like there's so many different scenarios and situations that can occur that it's kind of hard to i guess you have to program for all of them right yeah i mean it's quite tricky to figure out every single different card interaction with with all the various houses but um you know the, the rules are pretty nailed down we, you know we, we have access to um, a lot of FAQ that's already been very well thought through, um, and the rulebook to this game is is highly detailed. And so, uh, for the most part, uh, you know, it was a pretty smooth process. And so, you know, a lot of the focus was on just creating a great user experience. Like, I think our artists and sound designers just knocked it out of the park. I mean, there's stuff like one small detail I really loved is if you look up um, near Castle Black, we, we, we added the wall to the map. So you'll see, like, some slight variations to the, to the map you're used to from tabletop. One of the, the benefits of a digital edition that's often underlooked is you have that one uniform rule set that everyone playing it can follow. Because I, I, I'm telling you, as someone who's played with many different groups of tabletop 
uh, groups playing the game. Like you go to each group and, and, and each time you have to be like, oh, here's how the rules actually work. They're always missing one or two rules or, or doing it differently. And then having this one uniform form, I think, is going to help everyone learn all the rules and just have one system to, to play with each other. Absolutely. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had friends that have you know played the digital version of a tabletop game and they're like, wait, that's how you play? Like there's always <laughs> one. There's always something. Yeah. I remember back in the day when, when I was playing Magic the Gathering as a kid and we, we played and we're like, oh, this is how the game actually works. <laughs> we were doing yeah. it wrong as kids. But <laughs> uh, Okay, so that's not on the rules. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about rules? Or I think we pretty much covered that. Okay, so I guess questions on modding, although we kind of talked a little bit about those uh, the scenarios where you might have a little bit different abilities like Davos had that wouldn't be normal. Uh, is there anything else in terms of modding that may occur in terms of maybe changing cards or ability for players to to edit the game? It's like um, what we just uh, speak about, the house rules that everyone has one. Um, for now, the modding is not in the in the in the scope we i kind of repeat myself about saying that but we really want the base game to be uh, like the game uh we play in the physical tabletop um in this digital version and then later we will listen the community we may have moddings but now it's uh it's not in the scope okay so we have some other questions here from the fans online as we mentioned before the the game is being released through steam is there any steve steam achievements yes yeah we have uh 22, I believe, achievements um, that you can be earned in solo games and multiplayer. Uh, and I'll just give you guys a quick preview once so you can kind of sure. think about what these might look like. So there's the Oathkeeper um, achievement, and you earn this one for making uh, two or more alliances in one game and then keeping those alliances. That's interesting because, uh, I mean, everyone uh, everyone plays the game differently, and often uh, backstabbing is always encouraged but i the way i always played the game is i try to limit my backstabbing because it helps me overall to have the trust of players i just try to outplay people so that's interesting that that's actually an achievement for example uh is there any other ones you could give out and are, are they in single player and multiplayer or is it all multiplayer only or when do they get triggered um so yeah we, we have some that can be earned in either and some that are more specific um so there's there are some specific to multiplayer uh, another one that I can tell you about that uh, can occur in either is called uh, a long journey. And to earn this achievement, you have to transport units all the way through three sea spaces. Awesome. So that's cool. I like that the, the game is taking advantage of, of, of Steam and having the, the achievements in that way. Is there any plans for uh, ranked play at all? Oh, yeah. There is, um, with the Asmodee um, icons, there is an LO system. Uh, a low ranking system uh, like for the chess and mm -hmm. uh, you will have a leaderboard uh, each online game uh, can be a ranked one and uh, you can uh, come to the top of the of the leaderboard and um, you have uh, all the system to uh, find people above you uh, to keep uh, to keep climbing Cool. And uh, so as, I think we as we kind of discussed before so you, so if I like if I see another player, and I, and I look at them, like, does it list how many games they've played or do I get any other details or is it just the, the, the ELO? Like, what, what kind of information do I see that's public to me? You will found uh, the, the ELO scores of, uh, of this person um, and you might be able to find his match history uh, and to see which, uh, which house uh, he played Okay, just the most. Is there any uh, chance of official tournaments uh, in the future? Uh, 
We um, we discuss about uh, about that a lot. Not for the moment. Uh, not at the launch. Um, but it's definitely something uh, we are open to do with the community, and uh, that I personally want to do. Uh, but uh, not for not at the moment. Not at the launch. I wonder. I mean, the way that you have the ELO system, I think even fans themselves could potentially just organize their own online tournaments and just get people to show up. I think that seems feasible. The way the the game's uh, working. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's kind of the cool part of the Asmodee. Um, I can't. Uh, we see this on other games. So uh, you can put ten of your friends and then uh, make your own tournament uh, on your side. Uh, just another question from the online thing. I'm looking at the languages. Actually, there's support for quite a few I see online at, at launch. There's uh, English, French, Italian, German, and uh, Spanish. Is there any a possibility of future language support for other languages like Russian or Mandarin or other languages like that? Not at the launch. Uh, again, uh, we want to be really sure of the localization and uh, the first experience. But then... Um, then we pass and we are all happy with uh, with the game. Uh, we definitely will consider adding a language. Okay, good to know. Uh, let's see if there's... Uh, if, if, I, if I could add sure. just, just one thing. It's also like the whole point of having like a, an alliance system uh, with uh, just button making like sure like pointing at the threat, uh, asking for support or uh, just requesting alliances without like... Uh, typing in the chat it's also a way for like people that are not uh, English like native speaker to get involved in a community and get involved in online game without uh, actually like speaking the same languages yeah I guess that kind of goes back to a question I missed earlier is, is yeah so how does like chat exactly work in the game so you have the alliance system where you can you can press the button to request I guess what's an example like you support me in this battle or like what kind of how does that work like what's some examples of the alliance versus the, the, the public chat so yeah in addition to the alliance system there's also just a, a public chat where you can um, you know type type whatever you want to the other people you're playing with um, but we did not include a private chat and and the reason why we did that is much like the tabletop game if you're making an alliance with everybody uh, you know people can tell so we didn't want there to be this new kind of abusive strategy of just making a deal with everyone secretly. And, you know, because when that when you do that, uh, they, it doesn't mean much. Okay, that's good to know. So, uh, oh, yeah, that, uh, follow up, I guess, on that. So it's for the alliance system. So let's say I'm, I make an alliance with you. So, so does that show up then online, like that you and I have made a deal? Is that public? Right. So, so when you send the request to me, that's private. Um, okay. And when I accept a request, that's when we get that message you saw in the trailer that says um, house name and house name made a secret pact. So you don't know exactly what pact uh, was made. You don't know if it was uh, just a request for support that turn or if it was an actual uh, alliance. But you do know that, OK, this this guy's up to something. He's, he's making deals with these people. So if you see somebody who's made secret pacts with every other house, uh, you should probably not trust them <laughs> when they send you a request. Okay, fair, fair enough. Oh, so that's, so that's interesting. So, like, so for example, if, if I just wanted you to support me in, in a battle this turn, that's under the alliance system? Like, I, that would be a request under it? Well, so there's, there's actually two different things going on there. So you can preemptively at any time just ask somebody for support generally this turn. But there's actually just a game mechanic of, of uh, where when a battle happens and you have units that could support, you're always prompted to decide... Uh, if you want to support either house or or no houses, 
Yeah, I mean, exactly. There's the call for for support stage. Any battle that occurs, if there, if there's somebody else nearby, they could potentially get involved as a third party. I mean, you yourself can support your own units, but I'm just wondering, like, let's say I'm putting my orders, I'm about to put my orders for this turn, and I'm thinking, if this other player helps me here, that's good. How do I ask them to do that? Like, I mean, there's the public chat, or or is that can be, or can I do that via an alliance? Like, support me this turn. Right. So if you if you plan on uh, going into a battle and you're you're thinking, man, I'm really not going to be able to win this unless somebody supports me, you could try to before even starting that battle, um, get people to agree to. And of course, it's non-binding, um, but you know that'll give you potentially some confidence going into it. And if I got you to agree to that it doesn't it doesn't say what it is. It just says I've made some kind of deal with you. That that's that's what's public. Right. Okay. Good to know. There is also a cool feature in this uh, diplomatics options is the possibility to um, warn everyone of uh, another house. <laughs> put a warning and uh, put your fingers on this guy and say, hey, look, <laughs> yeah, fifth castle, me too, but he have is successful. So you can warn everyone about one player and that's a cool part too. Absolutely. Yeah, you get to that point in the end of the game where you're like, you're looking at the throne track and you're like, boy, it's a long time before it's my turn and this guy's one away from victory. <laughs> I better, you know, <laughs> let everybody else know. So that kind of just sends a message to everyone or an alert. If you click that, like, uh, what happens when you click warn? Oh, uh, everyone just uh, get a warning saying that your house warned all the other house about this house. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's awesome that that's incorporated. I mean, that, that is so much part of the tabletop experience is, 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 you know, keeping an eye on whoever's ahead. And the game's focus then is, is the live a single session is that is that correct like the, it's not like you you would be able to save or or do it over a long period it's meant to be a, a single uh, live session is that correct we have a, a variety of timers that that players can select and so you can choose to play a game where you know we all sit down tonight and our timers are, are tuned to try to complete this game right now or you can decide you want to play a game over a week um uh, and you know play asynchronously oh you can you can play it in mm-hmm. so how does that how does that work for the asynchronous option uh, so it's the same system. It's just a matter of how long you set your timer for for each player's uh, total time they can use. Oh, sure it's, it's uh, seven days. Seven days. Put okay. at the max. Wait, so it's seven days is for the total length of the the game. You mean? Uh, so it would be you. You as a player have seven days worth of time where it can be up to you to make a decision. So let's say you were you were doing that like you were using the full like you want to you know uh, the full length asynchronous play like. Does the do you, do you leave the game open or does it save? Like, how does that work? You just leave it open on your computer, or? Oh uh, no, you can close the client and and return at a at a different time, and it will store um the everything online. Okay, so they really so yeah, it does have the full by distance play. That that's exactly what some people do. Like with various games, is is you you do like the play a move day a move a day kind of thing. So that could mm-hmm. in theory be done in this game. Absolutely. Okay, well that's great to know. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm looking at all the questions here. Is there anything else uh, you'd like to highlight about the, the game or if you want to clarify or follow up on any of the previous questions? I think we, we think about a lot of things about the game, so it's cool. That's awesome. It was good to get that detail. So the release of the game is coming out on Steam on October 6, 2020. Yeah. And right now there's a pre, uh, pre-order offer, 20% off. So I've, I've bought the game. I've already sent it to my friends, but... Hopefully this episode will be out before then. I'm going to encourage everyone to to get, it. especially I mean the asynchronous option. I didn't expect that to be there. I mean that's a, that's a really interesting way to play the game, uh, especially for people who don't want to play like all at one time. So that's that's nice that it's already 
in the game from the release. So I'm going to thank all you guys for, for joining us today. Uh, make sure you have some of those lemon cakes on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I, I have one here. They're, they're, they're fine. And uh, thank you so much for bringing the game to us in the digital edition. Well, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for that. Cheers. Bye. Bye.